Hi everyone, welcome to the If Nothing Else podcast. Today we are talking about the blood. This is the last of our two-part series. It's called Come to the Table. Last week we talked about his body, the bread. Today we're talking about his blood. So I hope that this speaks to you, that you just see his blood in a new sense, that you feel a tug in your heart to go and take communion with him, to experience that intimacy with him, to just let his blood wash over you, to purify you, to cleanse you, and allow that blood to be what allows you to draw near to him and allows you to come into his presence. So I hope you enjoy. All right, let's get started with the blood. I'm going to be honest, this was a more difficult episode to plan just because the blood is so deep and there's so much depth to it. Like we could go down so many different roads, like the intimacy of partaking of his blood, the healing in his blood, the provisions, the forgiveness of sins. Like there's so many different avenues that we could go down, but I wanted to cover most of them. So we've got tons of verses. If you hear a lot of page turning, it's because I have tons of notes on this. Um, So a lot of verses will be thrown at you, but I just pray that your ears would be open, that you'd be attentive to this and really just take this in and just ponder and meditate on it and just let the Holy Spirit write these truths of his word on your heart. So the first half of this will be some Old Testament verses that either are fulfilled through Jesus or are symbolic of Jesus's blood. And then we'll get into a lot of those verses that talk about his blood in the New Testament. So let's get started. Of course, we have to start in Genesis. (laughs) Genesis 3.21 says, The Lord God made clothing from skins for the man and his wife, and he clothed them. So this is right after they ate the apple and sin entered the world. This is right after God told them the consequences of their sin. We know that because their eyes were opened, they were shameful. They saw that they were naked, so they tried to clothe themselves, right? But here the Lord made clothing for them from skins. He clothed them them himself. So this is the first bloodshed in the Bible. God covered them. And it's just after they sinned, God sheds the innocent blood of an animal and covers them with the skin of the animal. This Hebrew word here for skin is also means animal hide. And this is symbolic of Christ because there had to be bloodshed in order to cover their sin and shame. Jesus' blood had to be shed so that they could be made clean. We'll read here in a second about how God instructs the Israelites that they would need to sacrifice an animal with their own hands to make atonement for their sins. But here, this is the first blood in the Bible, and God is the one who sheds the blood, just like how Jesus, being God, was the one who shed his blood. It wasn't by human hands. It was by his hands. So I really love this specific verse because it's God who did it, and it's Jesus who did it. In the New Testament, it wasn't man who did it. So this is so cool. Just I love the timing, like right after sin entered the world and they weren't obedient to God and his one law that he had for them. Just don't eat of that fruit, that tree. Stay away from that tree. And they did it anyways. And God was so gracious and so kind. He shed 
innocent blood and covered them. Okay, next one, Leviticus 17.11 says, For the life of a creature is in the blood, and I have appointed it to you to make atonement on the altar for your lives, since it is the lifeblood that makes atonement. So here it's saying that life is found in the blood, and the Israelites had to sacrifice an animal's life in substitution for their own life. It is the blood of an animal that made atonement. Now, Matthew 26, 28 says, For this is my blood of the covenant, which is poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins. Do you see the parallel here? Leviticus is saying that it's the blood that makes atonement. And Jesus is saying that it's his blood for the forgiveness of sins. So Jesus' blood that's poured out, meaning if his life is in the blood, that his life would be poured out. His life would be laid out on the cross which is the substitution for our life. Before Jesus, the sacrifice of an animal was for atonement of their sins, but Jesus is rewriting everything and saying that he will be the ultimate sacrifice for the forgiveness of our sins once and for all forever. You don't have to keep sacrificing an animal over and over again. He was the perfect lamb, the firstborn, the spotless lamb who offered his life as a living sacrifice once and for all. Something to note here is that the word for atonement and this verse means to cover. So when they're shedding the blood of this creature, of this animal, and making atonement for sins, that they're covering their sins, Jesus' blood that was shed on the cross, the perfect and spotless lamb, his blood covers us. And just like how in that Genesis verse that God shed blood and covered them, he clothed them. So cool. Okay, Leviticus 16, 14 says, He is to take some of the bull's blood and sprinkle it with his finger against the east side of the mercy seat. Then he will sprinkle some of the blood with his finger before the mercy seat seven times. So the blood is sprinkled on the mercy seat of the Ark of the Covenant. And we've got a long passage, but... I will interrupt a few times to just point out some things, but this is Hebrews 9, 11 through 28 says, but Christ has appeared as a high priest of the good things that have come in the greater and more perfect tabernacle, not made with human hands. He entered the most holy place once for all time, not by the blood of goats and calves, but by his own blood, having obtained eternal redemption. So we were just talking about um, the blood of this bull that had to be sprinkled on the mercy seat. This was a high priest that would go in once a year into the Holy of Holies where God's presence was, where the mercy seat is, where the Ark of the Covenant is, and he would sprinkle blood on it. But this Hebrews verse saying that Jesus is the high priest. He went in a more perfect tabernacle. He went into the most holy place by his own blood. And let's continue in verse 13 says, For if the blood of goats and bulls and the ashes of a young cow, sprinkling those who are defiled, sanctifying for the purification of the flesh, how much more will the blood of Christ, who through the eternal spirit offered himself without blemish to God, cleanse our consciences 
from dead works so that we can serve the living God. How good is that? And then verse 15 says, Therefore, he is the mediator of a new covenant so that those who are called might receive the promise of the eternal inheritance because a death has taken place for redemption from the transgressions committed under the first covenant. Where a will exists, the death of the one who made it must be established. For a will is valid only when people die, since it is never in effect while the one who made it is living. That is why even the first covenant was inaugurated with blood. For when every command had been proclaimed by Moses to all the people according to the law, he took the blood of calves and goats, along with water, scarlet wool, and hyssop, and sprinkled the scroll itself and all the people, saying, This is the blood of the covenant that God has ordained for you. Ready for this? In the same way, he sprinkled the tabernacle and all the articles of worship with blood, aka the mercy seat, Jesus' blood covers is sprinkled on the mercy seat verse 22 says according to the law almost everything is purified with blood without the shedding of blood there is no forgiveness this is that atonement verse 23 therefore it was necessary for the copies of the things in the heavens to be purified with these sacrifices but the heavenly things themselves be purified with better sacrifices than these for christ did not enter a sanctuary made with hands but into heaven itself so that he might now appear in the presence of God for us. He did not do this to offer himself many times as the high priest enters the sanctuary yearly with the blood of another. Otherwise he would have to appear many times since the foundation of the world. But now he has appeared one time at the end of the ages for the removal of sin by the sacrifice of himself. And just as it is appointed for people to die once and after this judgment, so also Christ, having been offered once to bear the sins of many, will appear a second time, not to bear sin, but to bring salvation to those who are waiting for him. Wow, I feel like there's no words after that. That just sums up everything. Like we could just end this right here and be done. But Jesus, being the high priest, he went into the Holy of Holies where God's presence is. He sprinkled his own blood that only had to be shed once. Not yearly. It had to be shed once and for all. Forever. That's it. He's so good. Then last Old Testament verse that we're going to look at is Exodus 12, 13. This is the Passover. I know we talked about this in the last episode a little bit, but I want to focus on the part about the blood. It says, the blood on the houses where you are staying will be a distinguishing mark for you. When I see the blood, I will pass over you. No plague will be among you to destroy you when I strike the land of Egypt. So before these verses, God told Israel that he was going to go throughout the land of Egypt and kill the firstborn as the 10th plague. But he says that to go get a lamb and to kill it and put the blood on the doorposts of your houses, and that's the distinguishing mark so that God will pass over them and they won't be affected by the plague. So the blood of the spotless lamb on the doorpost saved them from death. The blood of our spotless lamb, 
Jesus covers us so that we are saved from our sin and death. How cool is that? There's so many references to the blood in the Old Testament and Jesus just fulfilled all of it. It was all symbolic of Jesus and what he was soon going to do. So let's jump over to the New Testament and let's look at some aspects of the blood. First one, Romans 5, 9 says, how much more then, since we have now been justified by his blood, will we be saved through him from wrath? So first point, we are justified and saved by his blood. Ephesians 1, 7, in him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses according to the riches of his grace. So his blood redeemed us and has forgiven us of our sins. And it's only by his blood. It's his grace. It's his blood. Okay, 1 John 1, 7. If we walk in the light as he himself is in the light, we have fellowship with one another. And the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from all sin. So we're not just forgiven of our sin, but we are cleansed of our sin by his blood holy, pure, and righteous. Hebrews 13, 12, Therefore Jesus also suffered outside the gates that he might sanctify the people by his own blood. So not only is our sin paid for, but we are sanctified by his blood. And it just blows my mind that Jesus, a perfect man, shed his own blood so that we might be sanctified. It blows my mind. He knew that we couldn't have done it ourselves. Acts 20, 28, be on guard for yourselves and for all the flock of which the Holy Spirit has appointed you as overseers to shepherd the church of God, which he purchased with his own blood. So Jesus has purchased the church by his blood. The Bible says that you were bought at a price. The Bible says that you are his possession. Not only did he purchase us to have us, but to wash us, to purify us, to cleanse us, and to make us holy. This is all intimate language. Colossians 1.20 says, And through him to reconcile everything to himself, whether things on earth or things in heaven, by making peace through his blood shed on the cross. So his blood reconciled us to himself. We are now able to come back into his presence. I love the word reconcile here because it means to repair. It means to be brought back to that starting place, be reconciled back to that beginning place. He reconciled us back to himself, back to the original intent of creation. And this reconciliation is by his blood. This is intimate language that we are reconciled and brought back to him, back into his presence, back into that communion that we were meant and created to walk in with him. Hebrews 10, 19 through 22. Therefore, brothers and sisters, since we have boldness to enter the sanctuary through the blood of Jesus, he has inaugurated for us a new and living way through the curtain that is through his flesh. And since we have a great high priest over the house of God, let us draw near with a true heart 
in full assurance of faith with our hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience and our bodies washed in pure water. Wow. So it is by his blood that we can draw near to God. This is such good news. His presence has everything that we could ever need or want. There's fullness of joy in his presence. We were once so far from his presence, but now because of Jesus' blood that was shed on the cross, that we can draw near. This is how we can have intimacy with God. And this just brings my mind to the verse that says that God is a holy God. So we are to be holy. This is how we can dwell in the presence of a holy God. Because we are covered by Jesus' blood. I love how it says that we have a great high priest in the house of God. Like that is such good news. That he is the last high priest. He is the highest of high priests. So good. Revelation 1, 4 through 6. The seven churches in Asia, grace and peace to you from the one who is, who was, and who is to come. From the seven spirits before his throne and from Jesus Christ, the faithful witness, the firstborn from the dead and the ruler of the kings of the earth to him who loves us and has set us free from our sins by his blood and made us a kingdom priest to his God and father to him be glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. Wow. In the context of this verse is amazing in Revelation 1, but specifically about his blood, his blood sets us free. There is freedom found in his blood. It says to him who loves us and has set us free from our sins by his blood. Guys, there's freedom in his blood. Revelation 7, 14 through 17. Then one of the elders asked me, who are these people in white robes and where do they come from? I said to him, sir, you know. Then he told me, these are the ones coming out of the great tribulation. They washed their robes and made them white in the blood of the lamb. For this reason, they are before the throne of God and they serve him day and night in his temple. The ones seated on the throne will shelter them. They will no longer hunger. They will no longer thirst. The sun will no longer strike them, nor will any scorching heat. For the lamb who is at the center of the throne will shepherd them. He will guide them to springs of the water of life. And God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. So the one who washed their robes in the blood, the ones who washed their robes in the blood of the lamb are now white and pure. And this will be the culture of heaven. These are the ones who worship, will worship God 24-7. The ones who are covered by his blood. Revelation 12-11. They conquered him by the blood of the lamb and by the word of their testimony. For they did not love their lives to the point of death. So not only does the blood mean that we can be cleansed, we can be forgiven, that we can draw near to God. But through the blood of the lamb, the enemy is conquered. Do you see the power in the blood? Romans 3, 21 through 26. 
But now, apart from the law, the righteousness of God has been revealed, attested by the law and the prophets. The righteousness of God is through faith in Jesus Christ to all who believe, since there is no distinction. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. They are justified freely by his grace through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. God presented him as the mercy seat by his blood through faith to demonstrate his righteousness because in his restraint, God passed over the sins previously committed. God presented him to demonstrate his righteousness at the present times that he would be just and justify the one who has faith in Jesus. It's through our faith that we are redeemed. It's by Jesus's blood on the mercy seat. Because of it, God has passed over our previous sins. I love that this says passed over. It's like the verses that we talked about at the beginning about the Passover, that God saw the blood and passed over. God looks at us, sees us covered in blood, and the judgment passes over. And I love that last verse, that so that he would be just and justify the one who has faith in Jesus. That the one who is just justifies us because we have faith in him. 1 Peter 1, 18 through 19. For you know that you were redeemed from your empty way of life inherited by your ancestors, not with perishable things like silver or gold, but with the precious blood of Christ, like that of an unblemished and spotless lamb. His blood is more precious than silver and gold. And this makes me think, do I truly believe this, that his blood is more precious than anything that could be found on earth? Like, do I live that way? Do I walk in my daily life knowing that everything around me is going to fade away, but the one true thing that is not perishable is his blood. It's way more precious than anything we could ever find on this earth. John 6, 53 through 57. So Jesus said to them, truly, I tell you, unless you eat the flesh of the son of man and drink his blood, you do not have life in yourselves. The one who eats my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life. And I will raise him up on the last day. Because my flesh is true food and my blood is true drink, the one who eats my flesh and drinks my blood remains in me and I in him, just as the living Father sent me and I live because of the Father. So the one who feeds on me will live because of me. There are so many different aspects of the blood in this verse specifically. The first one is that we have eternal life because of his blood. We actually have life itself when we drink his blood. That his blood is true. Drink. That when we drink his blood, we remain in him. That's intimacy. That we remain in him and him in us. And I love this. That last verse, just as the living father sent me and I live because of the father. So the one who feeds on me will live because of me. It's comparing it to Jesus's relationship with his father. But that's a word right there is we remain in him when we drink of his blood. 
Hebrews 12, 24 says to Jesus, the mediator of the new covenant into the sprinkled blood that speaks a better word than the blood of Abel. I love this verse because the blood is alive and it's speaking. The blood is speaking over you. I remember one time in communion at church, um, we were praying over communion and I was just staring at the blood and just over and over again in my head, I was hearing it's fresh. It's fresh. The blood is fresh. This is fresh blood. Like it never dried up. It is alive and it's continuously speaking over you. It's speaking a better word over you. Okay, last verse, (laughs) Matthew 26, 28 through 29 says, For this is my blood of the covenant, which is poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins. But I tell you, I will not drink from this fruit of the vine from now on until that day when I drink it new with you and my father's kingdom. So they were drinking his blood during the last supper, but Jesus says that we will drink it again in his father's kingdom. We will get to sit at the table and drink it with him one day. That's something so special to look forward to. That's why this is titled come to the table because we get the opportunity to come to the table now while we're on this earth. And we're going to be looking forward to the day when we get to come to his table and partake of his body and his wine and drink with him and his presence. That will be amazing. Okay. We made it through all of these verses and I, there's still so many more verses in the Bible about his blood, but I just wanted to highlight the forgiveness of sins, the atonement that we are covered by his blood, that his blood actually cleanses us, that we can be holy and righteous because of his blood, that we get to draw near to God because of his blood, that we get to come into his presence because of his blood that we are able to have intimacy with the Lord, have an intimate relationship with the Lord because of his blood. We can remain in him and him in us. That his blood is alive today. It's never dried up and it never will dry up. It's speaking a better word over you right this second. It is speaking over you. I love we, we talked about so many verses, but his blood will always be and has always been there's a verse we didn't include it today but it talks about that jesus was slain before the foundations of the world says blood always was we see that he poured out his blood on the cross and now we see the blood is still speaking it's still speaking a better word over us one day we will drink of it with him in his father's kingdom so his blood always has been and always will be. It's eternal. It's not perishable. It's not like gold and silver. It's more precious than those. And last thought. Y'all, this is crazy. How amazing is it that we have a high priest in heaven, a mediator and an intercessor who the Bible says is also your brother. It's a crazy thought, I know, but that's what the Bible says. He's also your brother who is literally sitting next to your father praying for you, talking about you. 
The Bible says that if we deny him, he will deny us before his father. But if we truly have faith in him and we are following him and we remain in him and him in us, he is sitting next to the father and he is talking to the father about us. He's praying for us. He's interceding for us. While the enemy is constantly accusing you, Jesus is praying for you. And he is speaking over you that you are covered by his blood. He's saying to everything you have ever done and everything that you will ever do, that there is blood for that. There is no more striving. You are covered. Next time you fall short, I just want you to speak out loud. There is blood for that. The lie that I told, there is blood for that. The gossiping that I just did, there is enough blood for that. Like over everything that you do, that you fall short, just proclaim over yourself and over what you just did, that there is blood for that, that you are covered. Jesus shed his own blood because we were not capable of doing it ourselves. I hope you were able to see how powerful his blood is, how much he loves you, that he would do that for you, and how much grace he has for you, how much grace he has given you, and that you can now sit in the presence of your father because of his blood that was shed. I want to challenge you to take communion when you spend time with him this week. Reflect on what he did on the cross for you and what it means to be covered by his blood, by God's blood. When you take communion, just reflect on the fact that you are only able to sit in God's presence because of what you are holding in your hand, that communion, that blood that you are holding in your hand, that it bridges the gap, that it covers you and that it's alive. I hope y'all enjoyed today's episode. To stay updated, follow at If Nothing Else podcast on Instagram. Feel free to message me through my Instagram if you want to talk or have any prayer requests. Don't forget to spend time in God's presence today, and I am praying for all of you. Bye, guys.